Foster. Let's get this straight now. I never fucked anybody over in my life. Didn't have a cult. You got that? All I have in this world is my balls and my word. And I don't break them for no man. Do you understand? Welcome! This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steven. I'm John. And here we are trying to answer the age-old question. Is Justin Bieber a feminist because he looks like a lesbian? <laughs> I don't know, but today we're talking yeah. about one of the greatest movies of all time, Scarface. Yes. And uh, in this episode, I will be known as Juan, and Steve will be known as Esteban. <laughs> Obviously. Because if we're going you know, to go Hispanic here and go with the whole Cuban atmosphere... Yes, uh, we gotta uh, use the Cuban names. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of amazing how much stuff got popularized because of this movie. Not only oh, pop culture wise, yeah. Not only how man. many countless rap songs were were inspired f- from this movie, and there's actually a rapper called Scarface, and there's actually a rapper car- called Scarface. This was supposed to be a remake of the Howard Hughes. Scarface movie, but it ended up it didn't end up being that. Yeah, it ended up being like total original thing. Which okay, just a little bit of backstory. If you guys don't know what Scarface was in the original, it's it's loosely based on Al Capone because Al Capone was his nickname was Scarface. Yeah. Um. So that was a little nickname. So the original and he movie, did get that from eating pussy. He did. That was a true <laughs> story. In the in the Scarface, also a true story. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna get a scar like that eating pussy, man. Uh, but, oh, he, but he did. I would get a scar like that if it was Michelle Pfeiffer's pussy that I was eating. <laughs> and she was just like, "You can eat it, but I'm gonna like gash your eye." I'm like, "Fair enough, that's cool." It's like that's a fair trade off. That's a fair trade. You, yeah. You're gonna claw me and my. That's that's fine. <laughs> you could literally poke out both my eyeballs afterwards. Uh, it'd be worth it. Uh, <laughs> it's like I just ate the most delicious shit in the world. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. Everyone. She was very sexy. She, everyone in this movie is great. Yeah. Um, from like um, uh, Stephen Bronner. Um, uh, yeah, played Manny. Which is the only Cuban in the movie, by the way. Manolo. Everyone else? Italian American? <laughs> There's no well, other. As far as like main cast, now there are Hispanic people in the. In, like, there the... are Hispanic people, but like there, there, there is literally only one Cuban in the cast. Yeah. And that's him, the person that plays Manny, Stephen Bronner. Manolo. Um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of funny, but that's <laughs> that's where you get to acting, you know, like um, Yeo thing, like Al, uh, Al Pacino himself made that popular. Yeah, he learned that through learning the Cuban language, but it wasn't popularized until this movie. Yeah, because people didn't call it Yeo until, until they saw Scarface. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, got, I got the Yeo. Yeah, so he is literally the one uh, through learning the Cuban language. And he asked people on set to always say, to speak to him in Spanish. Right. Um, because he wanted to stay in character. So he, he could be comfortable. wanted to make sure he could say, you know, keep talking like he, you know, is talking, uh, like, the whole time. You know, he wanted to keep talking like Tony Montana. Which Tony Montana was named after Joe Montana because it was Oliver Stone's favorite football player. Right. Yeah, because that's why he gave him the last name Montana because it was supposed to be like a tribute to Joe. And he also, he was like, because the name Montana literally means mountain in Spanish. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, Oliver Stone, uh, 
you know, he he's very fond of Miami, so you'd figure like, wouldn't he be like Tony Marino or something like that? No, yeah. no, no. He uh he loved Joe Montana. Yeah. Um I mean who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? Steve's dude? got a fucking shrine to him yeah. built here in I his mean, garage. When we're talking about the greatest players of all time, he has to be number one. Um you know, I mean that's a that's a topic for 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 another time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that sounds like a Mount Rushmore's topic. <laughs> but Brian De Palma ended up directing this movie because of Oliver Stone wasn't trusted enough to do it. This is <laughs> kind of an Oliver Stone baby, though. De Palma changed quite a few things that Stone wanted to do, and then uh, they did tr- they did really re-release this in two thousand and three. And mm-hmm. the studio was like, we want you to re-release it and put all the uh, rap songs that was inspired by this in the movie. And De Palma was like, fuck you. <laughs> no. This this is this is what inspired them while we put that in the movie. It's fine just the way it is. Oh, so they wanted to change the soundtrack? They wanted to ch- change the soundtrack. And De Palma was like, nope. We're, really, we're re-releasing it as is. Yeah. We're not putting We're just, all the rap songs that are popular that was inspired by this movie in this movie. The rappers wanted it in the movie too, but they were like, De Palma was like, no. Yeah. It's not the, this type of movie. Can you imagine, like, for one, could you imagine, like, the chainsaw scene instead of, like, that great score with the camera panning and panning and panning? Well, yeah, like, it then, pans down to Manny and he's, like, flirting with the beach girls. And, and you then just it goes hear, like, back a up. rap song instead of just that, like, just that drawn out, that like, tension. Uh, you know, like, that, that sound instead. Like, there's no way in hell it could have been a better scene with a rap song in that. Mm, it, it would come across as kind of cheesy, I would Yeah, think. yeah, because it would have been, like, you know, because there's been movies made that's tried to be Scarface. That's why remaking it really doesn't work, which they're going to try to do. Uh, like, Belly. Belly was basically a remake of Scarface. Mm-hmm. With DMX and stuff like that. And it was decent. Uh, but what else are you going to do? I mean, it's... Then, I, I think... And also, like, when you look at, um, like, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, that's basically them saying, like, we really want to do a Scarface game. And we yeah. can't, so we're just going to basically make it Vice City instead of Miami... And we're gonna have Tommy Versetti instead of Tony Montana. Yeah, you know, Grand Theft Auto basically is Scarface. Yeah, the game Rockstar's entire company is thanks to Scarface the movie. Right, but it'd be like, oh, we're gonna re-release Scarface, but let's, you know, let's say inspired by Grand Theft Auto before we like get in the opening credits. It'd be like, no, 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 no. That's no. not how it is. But before we get too far in this, let's talk about <coughs> what beer we're drinking today. Beer time. Uh, so this, the beer this week is uh, a good friends of ours uh, that we uh, we enjoy to we really enjoy drinking. Is uh, this is the Kentucky uh, Bourbon Company, Kentucky Brewing Company, and this is the Kentucky Winter Golden Stout. Which um, you, you already knows is a three out of three. Oh yeah, it's a three <laughs> out of three. Um, I, I I would I would bathe in this. Um, it, this shit is is fucking magic. What's the percentage on this? Eight percent alcohol. It's eight. Oh, I see it now. Yeah, eight so percent alcohol gets you fucked up. Yeah, you only need four, like a four pack of these. That's yeah. uh, that's what Steve bought earlier was a four pack, and you know it's it's one of those things it's where you're damn like, near twenty dollars, but it's worth it. Yeah, 
Um, but it's, uh, yeah, golden stout aged in bourbon barrels like they normally do. Uh, but it's aged on cocoa nibs. Cocoa nibs. Yeah. Gotta love them nibs. Yeah. Gotta love them, them uh, nib slips. <laughs> okay, so one of the things about Scarface, it was made off a budget of $25 million. It was a total bust in the box office. It only made like a million dollars. Like one million. Oh, yeah, no, it flopped hard. It flopped hard because... If female Ghostbusters flopped. Yeah. It, it Wrinkle in bad. Time flopped. <laughs> it was that bad. But it had one of those uh, um, resurrection type things. So I couldn't find the numbers exactly. But I'm estimating that this movie, uh, with merchandise and everything, profited them about half a billion dollars. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, when you think about like the DVD re-releases and Blu-ray, and then I think they did they put this on 4K yet? I'm pretty sure they did. Um, I'm pretty sure they have. So this movie has and just licensing yeah. and all that shit. The video game was actually good because. They had the video game where you were actually like competing for territory and stuff like that, um, which you know, borrows very heavily from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. You know, so but. <laughs> um, and then you know they actually had a little bit of fun making this movie too. A lot of times when people think of these these movies, they they're always like, "Well, this was a serious movie on set." Like uh, when Al Pacino's like in the car, like wearing like, uh, Elvira's hat or whatever right, yeah. and stuff like that. Would you kiss just, me with a hat? <laughs> Al Pacino just did that. And that was just Michelle Pfeiffer staying the character as her name. And just kind of, she started to kind of like laugh a little bit. Yeah. And you're like, I and think she that, stayed in character. But mm-hmm. that, that seems adorable. It's, it shows you like the connection between Tony and Elvira, uh, you know, a little bit where they, they, they kind of have that flirtation there. Yeah, because he's willing to make himself look like an idiot, and she kind of appreciates that because it's different from uh, from Lopez, from Frank, who's mainly all business all the time. Yeah, and, you, you can tell Frank doesn't actually care about. He doesn't it. care he's, about a virus. Just she's a just trophy a trophy piece. She's a trophy. She's like a trophy girlfriend, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's just whatever to him. She's she's, she's a arm candy. She's a possession to. Uh, you know, and a funny thing about it, a funny thing about Frank is he tells Tony, like, rules at the first of the movie. Like, these are the rules you have to live by. Yeah, don't get high on your own supply. All this, yeah, all these yeah. rules. Tony literally breaks every single one of them. That's yeah. why he ends up dead. Yeah. He literally breaks every single rule. Because once it gets out of control, yeah. He goes completely out of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it's, it's a story of the rise and fall of power. Right. It's basically a Julius Caesar story almost. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very it's poetic. It's very poetic. It's very uh it's it's very Shakespearean. Yeah, it's a, a modern day like literally like a modern day Shakespearean tell. Uh it's it's the rise and fall of power and it's to me it's very it's very ballsy in this time where, you know, it's like is Tony a good guy? No. And it's like, is he necessarily the bad guy? No. Actually, the reason he gets killed in this movie is because he's too good of a guy. He gets killed for not killing people with kids in a car. Right, yeah. That's he why was he like, gets killed. It was like, he's, he's like, I ain't killing no fucking kids. I Fuck you. You die, man. You yeah. know, he fucking blows that dude's head yep. off. And it's like, he has a set of, he has lines that he will not cross. Yeah. And everyone that he kills in this movie, every single person Tony Montana kills in this movie is a bad guy. Right. He doesn't kill innocent people. That's the thing he won't mm-hmm. do. Oh yeah, even when he even when he stabs uh, Rebenga, 
in um in the uh, in the camp when they first come you know whenever they first get off the boat yeah, you die motherfucker uh, you die motherfucker <laughs> and uh and then you know when he fr- when he meets up with Frank later he was like, he was like he's like Tony I want to thank you for taking care of Rebenga and he was like he was like yeah it was fun and he was yeah, like, it was, it was fun. fun. He was fun, like, yeah. he was like, he's like, he's like, killing communists I do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I kill pieces like shit like that for free, man. Yeah, I kill, <laughs> I kill pieces like shit like you know for free, man. And he was like, I fucking love this guy. <laughs> you can tell that he's like Tony's gonna be a good asset to this crew because he is. That's uh, why he was okay with killing Frank. Yeah, you know, Frank wasn't a good person. He was a double crawler. He tried to kill Tony. He tried to kill Tony, and the main reason that the, why that happened was because he saw him like snuggled up to up to Elvira at the club. You know, so he's and like, then, "I'm gonna try to kill Tony," and he fucks up, and he's just like, you know, that's and one he of the also greatest got scenes in the movie. He got that cop, you know, and he was like, "Cytobomb, bomb, like, yeah, yeah." He like he shot him. He was like. He's like, you can't kill me a cop. I mean, he's like, whoever said you was one, man? Yeah. And he's just like, fuck you. And he's like, <laughs> and shoots him again. And he just bleeds out. Yeah. It's like, he's, you know, it's like, Manny said that he was a cop, but Manny probably just fucked up and just was talking to the wrong people. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, no, I work on, you know, I, I work, uh, you know, I work for the, for the police department and stuff like that. And so he probably told that to Manny. And Manny's like, yo, I got this thing set up on the side with this guy who can get us some inside info and yeah. we can be working with the cops and he'll keep heat off of us. That's what Tony was like. Whoever said you was one, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was going by what Manny told him and he still didn't trust Manny. You yeah. Know? Even just, and all and, that. And he killed, you know, Tony kills Manny too, but Manny wasn't innocent and all that. He lied to Tony mm-hmm. and he was double dealing behind Tony's back. Yeah. You know, he was trying he had to a, He had his own nice little he, house. He was that trying he was... to do his own thing behind Tony's back, and then he fucked Tony's sister. Yeah. Without telling him. Like, if he would have been straight up with him, he wouldn't have got shot. Well, especially because they're like, you know, he, he comes back from doing that whole thing in New York, and he was like... It was like, let me talk to Manny, and he was, he was like, he's like, yo, Tony, he's like, yo, Manny, we hadn't seen him in a few days, man, and he was like, what the fuck, I left him in charge, like, what the fuck is he doing, you know, and he's like, uh, and then uh, once he gets some information about, like, he ends up, you know, going to, you know, visit his mom, because his mom's like, you know, I don't know where Gina is, and I haven't been able to get a hold of her, and like, you know, we followed the car, and it's like, she's somewhere on Citrus Drive, and that kind of stuff, and, and everything, and then he goes to the house, and fucking Manny opens the door and he just shoots him immediately. Well, yeah, because he sees his sister. He sees there. Gina he there. Tells, he literally tells Manny when Manny meets his sister. He was like, he was like, don't you fucking do that, man. You know, he was like, yeah, he was, he was like, he was like, yo, he's like, Gina's beautiful. And he was like, she's not for you, man. Yeah, he literally tells you. him that's the one thing that she's not for you. Yeah, and then Manny leave her alone. Tries to bring her into that life, and then she ends up fucking dead, and Tony ends up dead. And, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people be like, "Well, Tony didn't have to kill him." I'm, I'm kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, I think he did because well, he when, told he told Manny to leave her the fuck out of that." Yeah, and he just went and did it anyway. Yeah, and then also he left because Manny's supposed to be like the guy that's in charge of his security and stuff. And he fucking just left the house unattended. And yeah, left the house unattended. And wasn't he, checking on anything. And he was all, all fucking Tony's sister. Yeah, fucking Tony's sister. Like his nice little, like, you know, his little, you know, cush side place that he stayed at when he wasn't at Tony's mansion. Yeah. And he was just kind of like, so not only are you fucking my sister who I told you not to mess with. You're double But you're doing this shit side. on the side. And then I leave you in charge of my fucking house. And, you know, no I trust you, you with the mansion. And nobody's seen you. 
Nobody knows what happened to you. And then I find out that the reason you're gone is because you're fucking with Gina. And he just... He was just like, fuck it. It's over with. Yeah, I would have shot him. It's too. done. No, I, I think he. I think he was. I think if if Manny would have been more upfront with him about his intentions, he wouldn't have got shot there. But it, apparently, he was doing a lot of shit behind Tony's back. Yeah, like the whole thing he was. Tony trying to was do already was, paranoid as fuck. Right. Well, because he's already having a, you know, he already is like thinking that Sosa probably might fuck him over at some point. And he's thinking probably Manny would be the first person he would go to. Yeah. He'd be like, hey, will you kill Tony because he fucked up this job in New York? Right. And then also, it's like, hey, you know, if you take care of Tony, we'll take care of you. You know, the cocaine will go through you now, and then you can have what you want. You don't have to worry about Tony. You can still stay with his sister. So he's probably thinking of all this shit. And he's also done a mountain of fucking cocaine during the movie. A lot of cocaine. Especially at the end. <laughs> Al Pacino but, said that his nose was fucked up the rest of his life from doing this movie. <laughs> and it wasn't because whatever they used as the substitute cocaine right. fucked his nose up. Was it like sugar or something? I forget. They they don't know exactly what it was. It was, but it was made to look like cocaine because it wasn't the Palmas column what they were using. It was whoever the set guys, the were. prop people. So, but uh, Al Pacino was like, it wasn't cocaine. He was like, but sometimes I would feel high, but I don't know if that was because I was snorting so fast that my, you know, I was getting just a rush from that. Or yeah. If it was some kind of a some chemical. Shit in there. Some kind of a chemical to make it look like cocaine, but it wasn't. It was harmless, or at least it came across. But he said his 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 nose was always messed up after that because how much fake shit he had to snort doing all those takes as Scarface. Oh right. So let's get in the comments. Okay, so uh, at the the beginning of this, um, one of the things that I noticed about this movie is that on IMDb it, it does get a decent amount of love. Uh, it, it's rated like over an eight, I think like for overall score. Uh, but as far as the vocal minority and the people that are like super pissed off about this movie, there's not like that many of the, it had like, I think, what was it like 31, like one star reviews. So the people that were giving it one stars, you know, there, it wasn't a very big group, but it, it, the complaints that they had, almost mimicked each other from like comment to comment so much so that I could almost predict what they were going to say when I first read like the first couple of lines because it sounded like what everybody else was talking about, you know, but, uh, but I did still find some gems. <laughs> so, uh, I put, uh, is it nice? Uh, it is nice to see the likes of Oliver Stone, Brian De Palma, Pacino, and even Michelle Pfeiffer make one monumental piece of cinematic garbage. <laughs> wow. So that's where we're starting. So you can imagine the trip we're about to go through. Uh, it is, uh, nice to see people so rich and successful, which is done in, uh, quotes, right? Wasting their time on one of the most forgettable, trite, and pathetic pieces of filmmaking of all time. This movie represents the worst parts of Hollywood. What is this? Is it based on a true story? Well, they do start with some basic news bites and facts uh, that they read off of USA Today or whatever. But then the movie departs into some fantasy world and a Cuban refugee going to, to make it in, a, in the American drug subculture. Kind of like Rocky on cocaine. <laughs> is it a movie about Cuba or Cubans? 
For the life of me, I don't believe there is a single Cuban in this movie. The accents are totally fake, and the scene with Antonio's mother looks like a poster for Midwest American values. The whole scene looks like something out of the Dick Van Dyke show. Is this movie about Miami? It looks more like Los Angeles transposed in Florida. After all, a palm tree is a palm tree. Uh, also, the music is disgusting and sounds like Latin uh, elevator music or something out of a Lawrence Welk show. I think I heard a polka in there. The sound is bleached in a number of spots and the dialogue seems to be carried out in a warehouse. I mean, there there is there is some dubbing in this, this movie because it was necessary because this movie was made in 1983. Yeah. Uh, was it made in 83? I thought this was made in 80. Uh, no, this movie was, was made it in 1983. Yes. Oh, okay. I am, uh, yeah, I'm right on that. Uh, but yeah, yeah December 9th, 83. Okay, so yeah, I was wrong. I just kept thinking this was 80. So yeah, this movie was made in 1983, so, so there was some dubbing, and, uh, sound wasn't really great in the 80s as far as movies. I mean, I don't really have a problem with any of the sound bites in this movie, necessarily. I don't really hear anything that would throw me off of the you know the illusion of reality it doesn't sound like it was recorded in a warehouse though it no, makes it me think that like maybe they watched like a really bad copy like maybe they cut like, like a, a bootleg like they're trying to rip this movie and then complain about uh, it yeah and they're like, like they the sound don't. sounds like shit and it's like are you are you watching like a real copy are you watching the dvd or are, are you, you watching like a bootleg like i got like a two dollar dvd are in you the watching hood this on youtube because <laughs> a lot of times their videos aren't very great Oh yeah. Uh, oh so no, there I, there was a bootleg one on YouTube that I found, but the entire thing is cropped. It's missing 20 minutes and it's also like it's 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 diagonal. The whole movie is diagonal. So if you watch it like that and backwards, should, it was also backwards flipped. If you're watching it like that, you should probably complain more to YouTube. Yeah. Then <laughs> for Scarface. these bootleg ass copies. But as far as like a, you know, 80s movie, it sounded fine to me. I mean, it was it was it was well acted. I just I mean, Brian De Palma is one of the, the better directors of that time. I mean, he went to a fucking film school with Spielberg that was taught by Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about De Palma a little bit more later. Because <laughs> so, we're not done with De Palma yet. I don't know what else you want. Like, as far as the director, it's like, this director is shit. It's like, this, this fucking guy made Scarface and The Untouchables. I don't know what else the fuck you want from him. Uh, <laughs> but also, like when somebody says, like, what was the what was the exact comment again? Uh, the music is disgusting and sounds like Latin elevator music or something out of a Lawrence Welk show. I don't know what that means. Um, so it's like for those people who might not know, the score of this movie was done by Giorgio Moroder, who is considered one of the greatest uh, composers for film scores. In the history of cinema, like like this this was this was a person that uh, most likely inspired people like like John Williams and you know st- stuff like that. To oh, uh, and like John Carpenter, you can definitely tell John yeah. Carpenter was like a fan of Giorgio Moroder. Yeah, very like, synthesizer uh, heavy and yeah, keyboards. I mean, this is this is one of those things where I think that the score fits perfectly with what they're trying to do with the movie because. Like, like I have to go back to it, like the the chainsaw scene. Yeah. Like I just don't, I just don't think, because if you would have made that scene too gory, it would have been unwatchable. 
It's already um, difficult enough to watch. It's very, it's very tense. Yeah, to already watch because you're already afraid for everyone in that room's life. Right, and then it ends up just being really tense. But it would have been more insane if that music was somehow different. Yeah, because, because it, it was almost like that scene to me was almost like a Hitchcock scene, like an Alfred Hitchcock scene. It was almost like an yeah, it was almost shot like a horror movie. Yeah. Like how the camera's just like slowly sliding to the window up and then back in the room. You can, it's, it, and, and, and you that know. shot, it, like when I'm watching this, I'm like, you can tell that Tarantino loves these kind of shots. Yeah, yeah. Of like yeah. simultaneous things going on. Manny in the convertible so, flirting with the girls and then Tony and Angel up in the hotel. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. kind of a little bit back and forth and you can see. The Palma definitely inspired Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah, definitely. Tarantino like, watched the Palma movies. There's, and... there's no way in fuck Tarantino could sit in a straight interview and be like, "Did Brian De Palma inspire you?" And say no. Well, no, I was actually inspired, but no, 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 no. No, De Palma. That there's a there's a shot in Pulp Fiction that seems like it was lifted straight out of Scarface. Right. Then that the the scene that we're talking about, you guys should know, is the fucking scene where. Uh, Vincent and Jules are walking through the hallway talking about the fucking foot massage. Right. That seems like that was lifted straight out of fucking Scarface. Because, you know, the the camera at one point just stops, and they just keep walking and talking. Yeah. And then they get to a certain point at the door, and then the camera flips to the other side of them. And then they walk in, and then you hear them, like, talk for a second, then you hear the gunshots. Right. And then... Later on in the movie, you see what happens in that. That that's some Brian De Palma stuff. That's uh-huh. some stuff that happens. It feels like Tony and, and Manny yeah. talking about stuff. And yeah, then, yeah. That, that's some stuff in, that kind of already happens in Scarface, where you're you, you, you're having to actually use your imagination to see what comes next, and the director makes you wait. Right. They make you wait for what comes next. And the thing too about this particular movie is, I think that Giorgio Moroder doing the score for this it adds a whole other element to it because it is very like synthesizer heavy and it adds a different tension than just like straight up classical music because you know it it it, it's it takes place like right after like the disco era it's the early 80s because everything's classical music now like inception and all this you know the dark knight trilogy and all that it's just like pirates of the caribbean you know everything's like very like classical and dramatic no one does like just like because like like i was saying like it's very horror movie-esque how that you know these some of these scenes are shot not just the chainsaw scene but like even like the the scene at the end where you know you know say hello to my little friend and all that yeah the the camera angles are kind of shot like a horror movie still yeah. Oh yeah, like when, especially like when he's in his office and stuff, and you know, you see the thing where um, uh, that that other like that that other lieutenant dude, he's like, Tony, let me in, Tony, Tony, come on, let me in, and then he's like, Brrrr! and they like yeah. shoot him in the back, and he's like sliding off the door, and you see the blood smear, yeah, and he's looking at him in the camera, and he was like, oh, you want to fuck it? you want to fuck with me, huh? You want to fuck with me? You want to go to war? Okay, let's go. <laughs> And he's like, he's like fucking, he's like looking at the security cameras and he's like loading the fucking grenades and shit into the, into the gun. And he has like the banana clips and he's like popping the clips in while he's looking at the cameras and stuff. And it's like, that feels very much like kind of like a horror scene. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
you know, if you're watching like a slasher movie and it's like, you know, you can sense that like, you know, fucking Jason's like right outside the door and they're like, and oh, like, fuck, okay, you know, come on, Jason, let's, let's, let's fucking, fucking do, do this. this. Yeah. It'd be good. And it's like the tension just builds yeah. and builds and builds. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's also that uh, the other part, too, for me, that's pretty intense is like when uh, when he, he tells uh, what he tells that one dude, he was like, he's like, I want you to call at three and say we we didn't get him. He got away. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh, OK, he's like, we're, like, we're going to go visit Frank. And uh, he shows up, and he's got his like he's got like his arm in the sling, and he's got the pistol, and uh, and that kind of thing. And then there's that whole tension where Lopez know like Frank knows that he fucked up, and he knows, and he's like they're both <laughs> he trying to play each other. He he was like, please don't. He's like he's like I got fourteen million. He's like I got fourteen million. I can go to the bank and I can go draw it out. You know, just please let me. How's his debt? Yeah. <laughs> And, and he was like, it was like, uh, he was like, please don't kill me. And he was like, I'm not going to shoot you. He's like, Manolo, shoot this piece, piece of shit. shit. <laughs> and Manny just shoots him in the head. <laughs> um, it uh, was, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to kill you. Manny, kill this piece of shit. <laughs> Manolo, kill this piece of shit. Yeah, and he just, Manny just, just gangsta just shoots the fuck out of Frank. And it's like, you know, he was waiting to do that and shit. And then he sits down with the cop. <laughs> It's so fucking, it's so fucking awesome. Like you can understand why gangsters uh, looked up to this because he just kind of sits down with the cop and he's just like, and he was just like, I told him it was a you know a mistake to to try to take you out or whatever, and then he just shoots that motherfucker in the he's stomach. Like, I told him it was stupid. I told him it wasn't like, gonna work. Oh, you piece of shit! <laughs> you just shot a cop. He was like, like who, who said you was a cop? Who man? said you was one? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it's like. <laughs> But the the soundtrack through like the whole thing adds tension to that because even in that scene, it's very tense. You this know? is just people complaining because they don't know what they don't know what they don't like about it. But they're like, it's got to be like the music. It's got to be the score or something. It's got to be like, the music. The music doesn't make sense. If you're in, if you're born in probably the late '90s or something, and then you're you're seeing this for the first time without anyone explaining to you what this is, you'd probably hate it. You probably wouldn't understand the score. You, yeah, I mean, you're 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 not cultured enough because if you're just thrown into Scarface and you're not from that era of like gangster movies and stuff like that, if you've never seen a gangster movie, because I don't consider any modern day movie about gangsters a gangster movie. Right. When we're talking about gangster movies, we're talking about The Untouchables. We're talking about The Godfather. We're talking about Scarface. Carlito's Way. We're talking about Carlito's Way. We're talking about... Blow. Yeah, we're talking about Blow and stuff like stuff like that. That Those are gangster movies. Yeah. Not, um... Whatever the... F- I, don't, I don't even have a good... I don't even have a good example of what that is now. Uh... Because Public Enemy is even kind of old now. Uh, yeah, oh, I would love to do an episode on Public Enemies at some point because that's Bell and Depp. Yeah, it's uh, fucking just the story of John Dillinger. I mean, yeah, come that's on. John Dillinger, one of the greatest uh, bank robbers of all time. But Scarface, you know, I mean, he's inspired so much. So whenever you're just kind of a guy that's like, well, the music kind of sucked in this. 
It's like, okay, so it's like for the people who say that the music sucked in this, right? It's like, let me just give you a very small, very simple education on Giorgio Moroder, right? Okay, so this guy is considered the father of disco music. And despite what you feel about disco music, oh, disco sucked. I hated it, John. It's like, it, it doesn't matter. Disco made a lot of fucking money and it influenced a shit ton of bands and artists. He was considered like the godfather of disco music. Disco started with Giorgio Moroder's soundtracks and his his music. Also, just to add on a side note to this, if you look at uh, basically any modern electronic music, whether it's uh, new wave music, house, or techno music, they all can trace back to Giorgio Moroder. Or even like uh, like shock rock or stuff like that, where you're you're using a bunch of like. You know, heavy uh, uh, bass beats or something. That all yeah. it it would all. Marilyn Manson be... uses synthesizers, and a lot of his stuff sounds like stuff from Giorgio Moroder soundtracks. Uh, before we take a break here, but uh, this would be like like you not liking disco or, or or whatever would be as irrelevant as you saying like uh, I think Elvis sucked. It's like that's irrelevant because. He didn't. And <laughs> I mean, he's one of the most influential artists of all time. Sold more albums than a lot of artists. I mean, in terms of like just sheer album sales yeah, well, and everything. He's the king. That's why I, he's yeah, called the king. Exactly. What I'm saying is at a, at a certain point when you're talking about certain people and certain things, your, opi- uh, your opinion is irrelevant at some point because their influence has been so massive the people that don't like these people right. don't matter because they've already influenced the world. Right. Well, so. it's like the same. It's like you know, if you find people that are like, "Oh man, the Beatles sucked." It's like whether or not you like the Beatles or not, they're one of the most influential bands yeah, of, exactly. of all time. Like, I'm not a fan of the Beatles, but does that mean anything? Does that mean that you hate them? It's like no. It's just you just don't listen to it. I don't listen to the Beatles. The the. the do you think people that don't like the Beatles have enough of an influence to actually change what the Beatles did in history? No. No. They did something iconic in history. Like, like you say about Elvis and like Jimi Hendrix and you know all this this type of stuff. It's like, oh, well, I didn't really like those people. It's like, uh, who fucking cares? The world was changed because of those people. Yeah. You just now have to deal with it. Yeah. And well, Scarface and- is one of those movies... This isn't just one of those things where it's like, hey, you know, we're defending a movie, and you know, you know, at this the end of it, we defend pop this, culture. This change, this movie, whether you like it or not, changed the world. This movie, yeah, and we'll talk more about it. Right after. Oh yeah, we're break. gonna we're gonna deep dive a little bit more, <laughs> but uh, we'll take a break here. You just know how to hide. 
life. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell the truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Come on. And we're back. <laughs> yeah. The speech that inspired Razor Ramon. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs> Say goodnight to the bad guy. Uh, which is kind of funny when you think of the fact that, you know, originally Scott Hall pitched that to, to Vince McMahon, and Vince was like, what the hell is Scarface? And he was like, well, he's a Cuban dude. He, you know, he goes to Miami and... He does the drug thing, and he's like, I, you know, just let me do it. Like, let me do it, and you, you tell me if you like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just let me do what I do. And, um, and Scott Hall pulled that shit off perfectly. Because he looks yo. like he could have been in that movie. Should have been in that movie. Yeah. What What was Scott Hall doing in 83? He was, was he just starting to, like, train to wrestle in 83? Probably bench pressing some crazy shit. <laughs> like Dude cars. Dude was amazing shape in those days. Oh, yeah. Like, if you look at you look at how he was when he first started, like, yeah. just in WWF, when he was, like, Razor Ramon, you're like, man, Sky was, like, in fucking damn good shape. Yeah. Great, great And shape. considering how much he fucking drank and, you know, was, like, doing all the, like, extracurricular shit and stuff and partying. A lot of those guys. Look, look, everyone. You don't have to not drink to be in great shape. Right. Shawn Michaels, Riz Ramon, and Kevin Nash are any any set standard. It should tell you, you don't have to like go non-alcoholic to be in amazing shape. You just have to work harder to get rid of it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, at a um, young age, your metabolism works pretty fast. Well, yeah. As Shawn Michaels can tell you. <laughs> yeah, that but, guy. You're right. That fucking I mean, Jericho can tell you, you can have a little bit of the bubbly, and you can still be amazing. Yes. If not the greatest of all time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That will be on a future episode of Mount Rushmore's. (laughs) Yeah, because uh, he is definitely uh, one of the greatest of all time. And he gets a little drinky drink. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, what's our next comments we're getting into, John? Uh, okay, uh, well... <laughs> it amazes me, just as sort of a, a preface for this, it amazes me the amount of people that want to talk shit about legendary directors, like Brian De Palma, for example... You know, it's like somebody saying, like, oh, man, Martin Scorsese, that dude's a hack because he, he had opinions about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can have and, opinions. Yeah, you can have opinions, and you can you can say things, and, you know, you can come up with your ideas. But to trash somebody like De Palma, who's created some of the, you know, best, you know, uh, some of the, you know, the most beloved movies in Hollywood history, you know, it you you're really... You, it's like you're basically like you know this insignificant ant trying to throw a rock to take out a giant. It, you're not going to do anything to it. You know your dumbass opinions on IMDb are not going to tarnish the legacy of Brian De Palma. But yeah, same thing with Scorsese. We love the Marvel movies, but 
Is it Scorsese's cup of tea? No. Does that make me like Scorsese less? No. It's his fucking opinion. Yeah. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. I like his opinion. I actually like it. And I love the Marvel movies. I like it that he doesn't, you know. Steve owns like all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I have like all the Marvel movies. But also like that somebody like Scorsese is like, I'm not really into it. I don't think that. It's like, great. That means you're not going to change what you're doing. Because I love what you're doing. That's great. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. I mean, I will watch your movies. And I'm going to watch the Marvel movies. I'm going to watch probably the DC movies still. I mean, because we're hoping. We're (coughs) hoping. We're not those people that's like, I'm only Marvel. It's like, no, we want DC to be great too. Because I love Batman. Competition's great. Yeah, competition is what we love. Scorsese, you know, make what you love. That way we can watch it. Everyone needs to make what they love. Right. This is what De Palma did. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, So in Scarface, we have uh, Al Pacino playing gangster with a bad Cuban accent, which comes off as a bad Mexican accent, actually. Brian De Palma Palma and the screenwriter Oliver Stone um, have, uh, have changed the Italian criminals of the original movie to cubans and instead of booze uh being traded around we have cocaine instead of um uh the fine subtle uh you know howard hughes direction of the original we have de palma's over the edge misdirection to be sure de palma has made some terrific original films like carrie uh sisters dressed to kill the untouchables immediately come to mind but Scarface is not one of them. The camera work is shoddy with too much movement and far more cranes than could ever be effective. Clearly, the photography budget was excessive on this movie. There is, however, one top-notch De Palmian sequence, um, and that's the chainsaw sequence in the, in the hotel. Uh, but they, that's only a few minutes and a three-hour flick. That's the other major issue. This film is far too long at three hours long. How uh, you you could cut this film uh, to an hour and a half, and it would be a better film. It'd still be difficult to sit through because the performances are so bad. This has to be Pacino's worst movie ever. But at least it would not waste as much of your time as opposed to the three hours. The violence and gratuitous cursing wears us out, and after a while, it becomes meaningless and stupid at the end of a three-hour runtime. Um. <laughs> little bit to unpack there but the thing about like people with like bad accents it's like like literally you know like you were saying like you know like pacino tried to make sure that he got his accent as accurate as possible the one of the things that i have a problem with was he said that this could be cut into an hour and a half runtime and that is just a part of the new culture of movies this guy is from the 2000s of movies. Yeah, this one, if I remember, I think this comment... Was this one 2004? I think this is 2004. So, what happened is we got a generation of people uh, that came up and they were like, we don't really like to watch movies. And th- this is why YouTube is so big. Because people don't actually like to uh, set an attention span past five minutes. Right. They What's get, the average YouTube video? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yep. So that's that's the uh, you know that's the average span of people now. Like I want to be entertained for this, and then this, and this, and this, and this. 
So back in the day, you actually had to do something called actually create a movie, right? Which was which was actually called a film. Like a Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino would call something that's actually feature length, which isn't an hour and a half. It's two hours plus. That's a film. Yeah, that's something that you're you're trying to say. You're trying to to show. So Scarface is a film. It's not a movie. It's a film. Right. So because it's know, two Tarantino, hours forty five minutes. Yeah, Tarantino would get pissed at you. He's like, yeah, I like that Scarface movie, but like, no, no, Scarface is a film. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, Tarantino would just be like, no, Scarface is a film. Yeah. Cleopatra uh, is a film. Cleopatra is a film. Caligula is a film. Right. Uh, you know, Sharknado uh, is a movie. <laughs> yeah, Sharknado is a movie. Right. That's just a movie. Whatever you know, whatever a movie is, you know, my, Magic Mike's a movie. Right. Uh, it is not a film. <laughs> it's not a film. A film is something that inspires something. It's trying to tell a specific story, and it lasts long enough for for you to actually understand a plot. Right. Um, it, it's it's one of those things where if you think the Scarface is too long, then you also think the Godfather's too long. Right. <laughs> and, and you also think the Titanic's too long. <laughs> and you, 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 you see the pattern I'm getting yeah. here. These are some of the greatest movies. Avatar's too long. Avatar's too... These are some of the greatest movies ever made that I'm mm-hmm. listing here. These, yeah. these are the movies that you would think are too long in runtime. And I always hear that whenever uh, the the critics are covering movies. It's like, well, they could have shaved like 30 minutes off this movie and it would have been a better movie. And it's like, so what you're saying is you really didn't watch, want to watch this movie? You wanted to watch like a summary of this movie? You want to watch a Cliff Notes. So, in my opinion of that, don't watch this fucking movie. Right. If you're not into gangster movies... Don't sit down and be like, I want to watch an hour and 20 minute gangster movie. Because even American Gangster mm-hmm. with Denzel Washington, isn't it Russell Crowe? Uh, I think it is Russell Crowe, yeah. Uh, that's not even an hour 20. That's yeah. like two hours. That's a, that's a two hour movie. And that's a modern day gangster movie. So, yeah. if you don't want to sit down and watch a gangster movie, I mean... Chances are you're not going to watch any gangster movie if you're like, yeah, because Hoodlums, uh, which was Andy Garcia and Lawrence Fishburne, I think, uh, that's not that's not uh, an hour and a half. You're not just going to sit down for Hoodlums and just be like, yeah, I'm going to watch a movie about Lucky Luciano, and it's going to be like an hour 20. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, these these movies go for a while. Well, especially movies that are, like, based around, like, somebody's life. You have to have, like, detail in it because... In the case of, like, Scarface, for example, it's like, if you don't show him going through the stuff when he first comes to America, and you're like, if you you would cut out all the shit that he had to do, and you started the movie where he walks into Frank's house... And they just start talking about the Rabenga hit and all that sort of stuff. Look at how much character building you miss on that. You wouldn't know who the fuck Scarface is. You wouldn't even know who the fuck Tony was. You wouldn't know who Manny was. You and know, you wouldn't know who Omar was because Omar was their guy that had had access to Frank and was gonna try and get him some work and do some smuggling and well, stuff. Yeah, and let's say like you did like Lawless. 
the Shia LaBeouf uh, Tom Hardy movie. That's that's over two hours. Yeah, that's a gangster movie. I mean, uh, Gangster Squad. I think the reason that that movie wasn't as successful because it was like an hour forty five. Yeah, should have been longer. It's a gangster movie. Well, like I would just look it up because I couldn't remember how long Public Enemies was. Public Enemies is an hour forty. Yeah, I mean that's that's a little short for a gangster movie, especially, especially what about, about John, John Dill- Dillinger. John Dillinger, one so of the greatest bank that, robbers in American a history. Short. That's a little disappointing. But it's like if you look at something like Tombstone, for example, how long is Tombstone? Tombstone is it's about two, two hours, hours forty. Yeah, it's like it's two hours two forty. Hours, yeah, yeah, roughly. And that's not a gangster movie, but it's a movie about a gang taking on the wall. Yeah, taking so, on you know the the Earp, the Earp boys and and Doc and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so so it is one of those things where it's like I I think if you like those movies, it's like watching a war movie, in my opinion. And you're like, I need my war movies at like one thirty. It's like you're not gonna get that. No. So Saving Private Ryan was like if three you're like, hours. Yeah, if you're like, I need the Saving Private Ryan to be about 120. It's like... Uh, that's I needed to be a tight 115. <laughs> like, well, literally, uh, that's in fucking possible. Yeah, one hour and 15 tell... minutes is just the siege of Normandy Beach. <laughs> yeah, literally. You're that, right. That's literally where you're at. Like, at, at that point. And, that you're like, just you're just stopping the, the, the siege of Normandy... You know the, the the surge on the beach at an hour and fifteen minutes into that movie. You're trying to you tell know, a story. if you don't want to watch a film, then don't watch films. Go watch movies. Go watch. You know, like like I'm saying, like because there is a difference. And I love movies, and we love films. But when we're talking about gangster movies, you're mainly when you're talking about the greats, you're talking about films. Yeah, I you're mean, talking about films like The Godfather. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like one of one of John's favorite movies is uh, Alexander the Great. The Alexander with uh, Colin Farrell. Is that a movie? No, it's a fucking epic four-hour film. film. It's Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone really doesn't do movies except that uh, Savages or whatever that was called. That was probably a movie. But um, people shit on that Alexander movie, and I'm like, if you actually go into it. I mean, he had an, an Alexandrian scholar that helped him do that script. Well, it was one of those things I, I've, I've heard. I always hear. Like, and I have the you're... Oliver Stone cut, which is over four hours. When, whenever and it's you... fucking great. Yeah, I mean, whenever you're talking about, like, like whenever you go to listen to shows, like, how did this get made? Yeah, which I listen to. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where they're, they're always talking about movies, and I was like, yeah, if this was cut, like, 40 minutes, if this was cut, like, 30 minutes... It'd be so much better. It'd it's be like, better how the fuck do you know that? And it was like, how what do you, do cut you out exactly then? know that? And I love Jason Manzoukas, but what movies have you been, into, been in where you're like, hey, yeah, let's cut this film down to a movie? Well, how the fuck do you get to say that? Right. Paul Shear? June Diane Rayfield? What the fuck has she been in that she can actually consider herself some type of feminist voice? Has she been in some type of epic Tina Fey type film? The only thing I remember her from is fucking year one. Yeah. With Jack Black and Michael Sarah. And I forgot she was in that movie until you just said that. I just said that. <laughs> she is in it with Juno Temple. Because they're the two females that are in that with Olivia Munn. Uh, but but that's one of the things. It's like, yeah, they, they'll criticize these films and they're like, yeah, 
a lot of times, like, in the end, they'll be like, yeah, you should watch it, but it should be shorter. And it's like, how the fuck are you able to say this This should be shorter? Well, and everybody wants to say that, like, the movie should be shorter, but nobody ever says what they should cut. Yeah, it's like, so what should you, they cut exactly? So yeah. in Scarface, what would, you, what would you cut that you think is not essential to Tony's story? There's nothing you can cut. Actually, every in, single thing in, that happens in this movie builds on Tony's character. In and his my life. opinion, if you're going to do anything with Scarface, it should be longer. Yeah, you, you should, should add tell in me stuff. more story. Yeah. Because they it, this is a 2-hour 45-minute movie and he was making like deals and doing like drug deals and making stuff on the side that Frank didn't know about and you never even see that shit. Yeah, you don't see that. You don't see I any would of like that shit. To see that, because he was like, you know, he was Make like, yeah, he's movie. like, I made some moves, I did some things on the side, you know. Make and this then, movie three hours and forty five minutes. Right, please, and have like an intermission break, like you used to have. Imagine yeah. people, <laughs> imagine so, because like, how long is Cleopatra? Cleopatra is like just over four hours, right? It's four hour movie. Caligula also like a four hour movie. Um. Yeah, so, uh, Cleopatra, 1963, yes. Okay, so you go to a Cleopatra from 1963, right? Um, And this, let's see, how long is this official runtime? It is, the director's cut is three hours, or no, it's uh, 320 minutes. So how many hours is that? That's like four hours and isn't that that's the director's isn't cut that elizabeth taylor that's elizabeth taylor yeah and um it's uh yeah richard burton plays mark anthony richard, rex harrison's yeah. julius caesar yeah um it, it is you know it's considered a classic like if you go back and you look at like hollywood like masterpiece classics it's like gone with the wind cleopatra ben-hur the ten commandments those yeah, they were they like like Hey, yeah, let's huge cut epics. this to an hour and a half. It's like, hey, I got with the wind. A movie's kind of shit. Can we get this down if to like a tidy one hour and, 20 minutes. If hour we could 20. get this to 90 minutes, this movie would be a hit. Yeah. It's literally the highest grossing movie of all fucking time. Adjusted for inflation. Adjusted for inflation. Going with the wind. Yeah. It, it made so much fucking money that like it, it just broke all kinds of records at the so time. So who the fuck is to say... Like yeah, well that should have uh, been shorter. Yeah, that should have been shorter. I mean, come on, it's like Casablanca at the end. They should have cut that shit out. Yeah, like here's the looking at you, kid. That's bullshit. Right. It's like look, that was one of the greatest uh, endings in film history. Are you fucking stupid? Well, and that's the thing. It's like because back in the day, they used to make these like epic ass movies like Cleopatra and Ben Hur and. You know, that kind of stuff. And then eventually people were like, we don't know if we want to sit through like four hour movies. You know, we're like, you know, three hour movies. And it's like, don't. I mean, that's okay. These aren't movies. These are films. Right. These these are what you call like, 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 uh, films are what you call like, uh, you know, that's what you do whenever you want like a, uh, like a 2001 Space Odyssey type thing. Right. You know. You, you, whenever you set into a film, you, that's like Christopher Nolan, that's like Quentin Tarantino, that's you know the these guys right here. That's why uh, Tarantino's like I'm gonna do ten films. 
you know, I'm I'm not doing ten movies. I'm doing ten films. This right. is the tenth film by Quentin Tarantino, or whatever. So you'll get that from certain people where you're like, these people make films, and then other people make movies. Right. So movies are something that, to me, um, movies are just something that you can get anywhere. Movies are, you know... um, The $5 bin at Walmart. $5 bin at Walmart are (laughs) something that you've already seen before, like a remake of Lion King or something like that. That's a movie. The, the The first version of it, to me, is a film. Right. To me, like, the the original Lion King's a film. Yeah. Because it's something that you've never experienced before. It's something that's that's big and epic. It's an awesome like soundtrack. Yeah. And, and then they're like, we're just going to remake it, but it's live action. It's like, okay, cool, that's a movie. Yeah. You guys are just trying to clearly make money off this. You're just cashing in on it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the first one. It's fine. No. You know, the first I mean, one's probably a nothing wrong damn with masterpiece. The new, there's probably nothing wrong with the new one, but it's, it's not like you have to watch that and be like... Oh God! You seen the you seen the live action one? So much that no one's gonna say. We that. should make a podcast that that's called uh, "Does This Need to Be Made?" <laughs> does this need to be made? Is not how did things. this get made? It's like does this need to be made? Because it's not like one of those things. It's like you you know the new Aladdin. You know fuck Will Smith. He can't do what Robin was. It's like no, we don't think that at all. Will Smith is fucking awesome. Yeah, we love Will Smith. But did did we need did we need that? It's like, it's like, okay, it's like, is Will Smith awesome? Fuck yeah, he is. Fuck yeah, he is. Yeah. We love Will Smith. Right. We've always loved Will Smith. It's like, but we, did we need And what Will the hell is that smell? It's like, what the hell is that smell? But did we need Will Smith to be the genie? No. Do we need that movie at all? You Do know we why we that? don't? Because we have the original movie in cartoon form. Yeah, we already have it, and it's Disney like... is fucking out of ideas because the only like original shit they've created lately was Frozen, and it's a fucking cartoon. So they're like. But but well, Pixar, what are we gonna do? It's like, well, why don't we just remake our old fucking? But the reason Disney had to buy Pixar in the first place is because Disney sucked at movies. They sucked at uh, computer generated movies. And that's the thing about Disney is like, yeah, they're great. They're killing it with Marvel and stuff like that. But but let's let's just just hear this out for a second. <laughs> Disney soapbox time. Disney would have got their ass kicked in animated movies if they didn't buy pixar pixar is the best oh yeah i mean there's no doubt story monsters you know all that cars cars i mean they just they're the best up 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 is the shit don't at me okay up is the shit you will if you don't cry you have no soul I mean, he fucking loses his wife to cancer in like the first 15 minutes, and this fucking is a kid's movie. Finding Nemo. With a talking dog and shit. Finding Nemo, he literally, uh, uh, the dad literally has 400 eggs, and then he loses his wife and all the eggs except one, which is Nemo. Yeah. And then he loses the kid also at the first of the movie to some fucking divers that come in and take him. Then he has to find Nemo. With the help of a short-term memory, Dory, which is played by the most beloved person of all time, Ellen DeGeneres. Right, yeah. Uh, 
Because, and I mean, if she's that's the new star- Oprah. She's the new Oprah. Oh yeah, yeah. In my opinion, she crushes Oprah. <laughs> Ellen. Is- she doesn't have like her book club and all that kind of. She doesn't have Oprah's empire. But as far as like daytime TV, that is Ellen's domain. Ellen, Ellen rules. Daytime domain. like afternoon television. It's Ellen's domain, and we're just living in it. Yeah, I, I love I love Ellen. Oh yeah. Uh, she is. She is amazing. And she's also like really good at like helping people out with like you know charity donation type stuff and yeah she's a good person yeah uh she's such a good person uh, i mean I, I i love it like i was sitting there watching it i put it on because we have disney plus not to try to plug flex that. and not like they need no i got it because i wanted to watch mandalorian not like they, they need it but i put on like <laughs> you know finding nemo or whatever and my son was like this is my favorite movie and which is not but <laughs> it has fish in it and it has turtles, and it has sharks, and he loves the ocean. So, yeah, yeah, he would say that when he sees it at the point. Yeah. But really, it's anything Spider-Man yeah. is his favorite. But he loves he loves that, too, because it's fish. You know, so, I'm, yeah, he's four. But he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, this, Daddy, this is my favorite movie. I was like, no, it's not, but I'm glad you like it. It's yeah. like, okay, son, yeah, it, yeah, it'll be your favorite today, and then I mean, you'll your favorite flip to today. something else but tomorrow. Disney Plus is awesome, and um, um, Scarface is definitely something he'll probably not see for a long, long time. Yeah. It's uh, like, buddy, when when you turn like you know seventeen, eighteen, that's when that's when you get to <laughs> forty. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what age is appropriate appropriate to watch Scarface. I don't know. See, and the thing is too is like people don't know, but we we have like a when we remember to do it, but we have like a thing where we like to watch Scarface either on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day. And there was one year, I remember, uh, this is when, uh, this is when Ethan was like, was he two or something like that? Yeah. And you put it on the TV in the living room and like, you know, Daniela's walking around and she's like picking up wrapping paper and, you know, throwing packaging out and stuff like that. And Steve just puts on Scarface and it's, I think it's the scene when he stabs Rebenga during the riot in, in, um, in Freedom Town. And... Uh, fucking Daniela is like, the fuck did you put on TV? It was like a Scarface. It's like our tradition. She is like, this is not a Christmas movie. It's like it is. It's like, look, it's you know, it's it's uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of traditions that you have. You know, like Thanksgiving, you watch The Wizard of Oz. You know, yeah. Christmas time, and watch the lions you watch, lose. <laughs> you watch the lions get their ass whooped generally. Um, uh, but <laughs> that's another Thanksgiving tradition. Um. But on top of that, like Christmas time, you know, you have people that watch like Miracle on 34th Street. They watch like the Charlie Brown shit and, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. We like watching Scarface. We like watching Scarface. It's just kind of a thing. Um, you know, and even if we end up getting into something else, it's like we at least put it on until we maybe come up with something else to yeah, do. Yeah, it gets played sometime or another. It's usually yeah. when the kids, uh, it definitely had to be when the kids are asleep uh, now because uh, my oldest is four and he'll basically repeat everything he sees yeah he it's like if, if he ends up you know saying the word yayo at some point it's like oh fuck i feel it as a father <laughs> yeah he'll never say that word <laughs> until you're like 21 and you're Even like though drinking he age. is half spanish so he'd probably say it better than me um he is ha- he is he is part hispanic so he could probably do the spanish part yeah 
Steve can't roll his R's, so he's uh, bad at Spanish. Yeah, so I've given up on it. Because <laughs> I'll do it. I just figured that uh, my kids are probably going to be smarter than me, and that's all, all I can hope for. Yeah. Um, it's funny because like there'll be times when I'm, I'm trying to say something in Spanish, and I'll, I'll like roll the R and do it. And Steve's wife will be like, well, John can do it. Why can't you say it like yeah, that? John can do it sometimes. Don't let him play. I, I can fucking do it. a lot of Spanish shit. I can do it. Uh, I, I fuck up a lot, but there are some things that I can say. Sometimes you can hit it. Yeah. And I have Daniela there for clarification that I did do it right. I, I, also have clarif- made, I, I also think she's trying to just make you feel better. Well, you know what? It fucking works, okay? And, works. you know, sometimes that's the more important thing. That is, is that, the more important thing. That I, even if, even if I was wrong. But we can also find clarity in both of us never, ever being able to speak fluid Spanish. Oh, no. That's, <laughs> that ship has sailed. Yeah, no, I, I know enough Spanish to be able to order something off of a menu. Yes, me you know? too, me too. Uh, I can and, understand a lot more of it than I can speak. I'm just too yeah. Alabama to actually get it. <laughs> we yeah. weren't taught Spanish in school, so it wasn't no. something that we learned. Our school systems failed us. Right. Thank you. But thank, it's you, a, thank you, our school systems. <laughs> thank you, our school system sucks. And see, that's the thing. If you want to take this back to culture, right, because Tony, Tony is Cuban. Right. Yeah. And so it's like when you watch this movie, it's like you know the the amount of like attention that they pay to like you know the Cubans and stuff like that. It's kind of interesting because the in, the entirety of this movie is based on like Cuban and Hispanic people. And you I know? love it. You know, and then just like the Super Bowl. Yeah. J Lo and Shakira. Yeah. Exactly. You know. I mean that is uh that that is fantastic that you're actually going to see both of them on stage at the same time and they was wondering why because rihanna turned it down they were like why would you take it and it was shakira that answered she said there's not a lot of opportunities for latinas yeah to to represent in the super bowl right so we took it and i was like thank god yes j-lo and shakira i'm not a huge fan of j-lo but i fucking love shakira but you know, as soon as as soon as like you know Lopez starts doing you know uh, you know waiting for tonight, oh Steve's gonna be in there like waiting for tonight. Oh, oh. I'm not saying I hate J Lo. <laughs> He's gonna be singing I'm along not to saying that shit. I, fuck, I would definitely sing along with that shit. I'm married a Latina. I clearly like Latina. That's his credentials. Um, yeah, but I I like Shakira more. But yeah, fucking J Lo was goddess level i mean she's she's amazing yeah she's like 50 and she looks she looks like she's uh, still a fly girl she looks like she could marry keanu reeves who is also immortal apparently that would be some beautiful ass babies god damn it would <laughs> just imagine immortal babies you know that came J-Lo from and keanu fucking reeves. jennifer lopez and keanu like oh my god man it was uh it was kind of insane because i watched one of those interviews with uh um, Sandra Bullock, and they she was asked who was her first celebrity crush, and she said Keanu. <laughs> and uh, makes then, sense. Then she said, uh, "Who could she marry if she had the chance to marry if they were a celebrity?" And she also said Keanu. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it all goes back to speed, man. It all goes back. She was like, "Yeah, Keanu was my first crush," and she was like, "If you could marry any celebrity, who would it be?" And she was like, "Keanu." Yeah. <laughs> 
I was like, I would probably marry Keanu if that was my option. I was like, Who could you marry if it was a celebrity? It's like Emma Stone is like, nah, probably probably Keanu still. <laughs> it's like you know, I'm not gay or nothing, but uh, probably marry Keanu. But I'd probably marry Keanu. <laughs> You know he'd treat you right. You know he would. Yeah, you know he's, you know he'd be a sweetheart, right? <laughs> you'd, be like, you'd be treated very well. You'd be treated. Uh, right. It's like it's like you know who knows what Emma Stone would be like, but you know Keanu would be like it's like I told you I loved you, so I do love you. It's like goddamn. It's like I feel so special. Yeah, me where I am. You have the feels. I'm fucking crying, you. Know? <laughs> oh man. Okay, do we have uh, one the person, more comment? The person that we would not want to be with is Jason Aldean, because we're at war yeah. with Aldean. Fuck you, Jason Aldean. <laughs> <laughs> if Jason Aldean ever listens to this, we actually do not hate you. This is for comedic value. <laughs> yeah, we actually love you, man. Yeah. You're actually pretty cool. Um, but we're at war with you for some reason. Yeah, just because Steve decided, was, Steve was like, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Started. We're going after Aldean, man. Aldean. This shit's on. Let's do this. Yeah. After that whole war we had with Toby Keith, this is refreshing. Ha. Fucking Toby is the man. Dude. Toby. Dude. (laughs) Dude, seriously. (laughs) But we'll take a break here, and then we'll come back. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll get to the last uh, last comment uh, sequence here, and then uh, and then we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up. So uh, take a break here, and we'll be right back. course i brought us back with a little bit of j-lo we were talking about her and yeah um, i don't remember this being on the soundtrack but that's uh interesting uh that if they were doing like the modern scarface they could have had that in club babylon i just wanted to uh pump it a little (laughs) bit before we got back to this and pitbull is from miami so in a way it makes sense it does yeah um uh, (laughs) i just i was not expecting j-lo when we came back but then part of me is like when i heard it i'm like oh well this completely makes sense with steve running it we kind of expected that j-lo would bring us back yeah Uh, because she's apparently immortal right yeah um I just I just started thinking of her ass all of a sudden and I totally freaking forgot what I was about to do. You're gonna do the last comment. Yeah, that's there we go. <laughs> See, that's why I have him here um, <laughs> to keep me on track because asses will definitely get me off track. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, uh, the thing about this movie is that this this entire movie is a fucking masterclass from Al Pacino, right? Like, 
when you think about acting, yeah, acting, acting wise, class, yeah. yeah, like a master class on like, uh, like it's not getting a into a character. Woman. No, <laughs> it's it's but it's a master class on hua. Uh, it's a master class on getting into a character and then becoming that character, right? Like when you think about like people who like just completely like owned a character, or like you know Heath Ledger owning the Joker, right? Every yes. people still talk about that to this day. Well, now people are probably well, yeah. going to talk about Joaquin playing the Joker, but which we haven't seen that. But yeah, no. Let's let's talk for a second before you get in the comments about people uh, owning a character. I, I, right. I, I'm I'm very interested in uh, um people that you think like that that's just owned a character. Like let's talk about that for a second. Well. It, I'm because to... we we do like Scarface was just completely owned by Al Pacino. We know that, and you just you just said Heath Ledger and the Joker. Yes, that was totally owned by by Heath Ledger. Right. I mean that no one could ever duplicate what Heath Ledger did with the Joker. Right. Um. And I I haven't seen the the new Joker, so I can't I can't really comment on what Joaquin Phoenix has done. No, but um, I eventually want to watch that though, even if I don't catch it in theaters. But I eventually do want to see it because I've always liked Joaquin Phoenix, and you know it's it's it seems I mean it's made like a shit ton of money. It's one right. of the most successful R-rated movies of all time now. Right. So, so it'd be kind of like Ryan Reynolds uh, as Deadpool. Oh yeah, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool for sure. Uh, he kind of captured that character, like uh, Daniel Radcliffe as like a, a Harry Potter type character. Um, yeah. You know, he 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 really nailed that. Um, I would well, if you want to stick to comic books, I would I would say. Um, you know, Sir Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Yeah, yeah, he, Xavier. He, yeah, like, he you almost can't think of Xavier without thinking of <laughs> he's really Patrick Stewart. He's the only one that's ever done it. You know, like, like he, he really is. McAvoy's trying to do his best Sir Patrick Stewart impression of Professor X. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's ever re- reached that level. You know, like, I would say Fastbender has reached the Magneto level, but I, I don't think McAvoy has reached not yet. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't not think quite he, yet. But yeah, I mean, I, not to say you're doing a bad job, McAvoy. We're just saying that like you did you did a pretty good job reaching of, of trying is, to get there. Is really hard. I think I think Fastbender has hit that level, and uh, I just don't think you have yet. Yeah, I mean that's um, just uh, one of those things. Um, Another one that I would say, if you want to go into like the Tarantino universe, I would say Uma Thurman as the bride. Yeah, yeah, Uma. Uma as the bride, it's like she completely just owns that character. That is her. You cannot think of the bride without thinking of Uma Thurman. Yeah, and, <laughs> and can we say like a, a reach of levels, uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Oh, for sure. Like, when you see yeah. him as Iron Man, you're like, that's what I think of Tony Stark from that's, the comics. That's what I think of Iron Man. So that that's that's one of the parts of reaching the level. That just shows you how good of a casting that yeah. they've done for these movies. Because, you know, I mean, I didn't know shit about Doctor Strange. Like, I had to ask you shit about Doctor Strange because I didn't know anything about him. And then seeing Cumberbatch play Doctor Strange, I'm like, I totally believe him as that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally I mean, get him as, as Doctor Strange. Um, uh, another one that I would say, too, is um, DiCaprio playing Cobb in Inception. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. DiCaprio playing almost 
anybody. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's, it's a cheat code with, with Leo because you could almost take Leo in any movie and he yeah, just... Yeah, I think it's up, down, side, side, A, you know. Yeah, a, a, playing B, the... Um, but, you know, it's just, it's almost like cheating. If you're a director <laughs> and you're just like, I don't really know how to get someone to act in this role... I don't know. I don't know exactly what direction I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just gonna get Leo. Just get Leo. I'm just gonna get Leo because I don't want to figure this shit out. I'm gonna let him do it. Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much like uh uh, uh what, was, what was that dude's name uh uh um George uh Verbinski. Gore Verbinski. Gore. Uh, yeah, Verbinski. Yeah, that was his name as a director. I think that's what. That, I think that was his cheat code. He was just like, I don't know how to get this pirate right. I'm just gonna get Johnny. Depp. I'm just gonna get Johnny Depp and I'm gonna get just Johnny Depp and let him just do some weird shit. Right. And I'm a genius now. Right. Because you know sometimes that happens, and that's that's kind of um, with these artistic uh, directors. Also, I think that's kind of their 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 clutch and also their their grace is. They're like, well, we're better directors than everyone. And it's like, okay, well, you also did get Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. So. How much work did you do? What the fuck did you really do? Right. I mean, you, you did get Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, and, you know. Could, I mean, could you also say, like, Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones? Like, you can't think of, of Indiana Jones without thinking of Harrison Ford. Yeah, you, you can't really be like, yeah. Yes, Spielberg is the reason Indiana Jones That's... kicked ass. You're just like, nah, it was Harrison Ford. It was Harrison Ford. I mean, he basically, you know, that, because those movies are basically, um, and people can say what they want about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We're not really counting that one because that one's like way down the line. That but the original we talk about later. But the um, original trilogy of Indiana Jones, it's like you, you cannot, like, that, those, like, Indiana Jones is like perfect for Harrison Ford because he pulls it off so well. You can't be you can't really be like, oh, these are good because of Spielberg. You you kinda almost have to be like these are good because of Harrison Ford. Right. So you can't really be like these are the Spielberg movies. Right. You you, you gotta on those you have to be like these are the Harrison Ford movies. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, the Spielberg, the Spielberg movies, you know, you, you give, you give Spielberg E.T. You've got to give Spielberg E.T. Cause that was, that was, oh yeah, that was Spielberg. You know, you have to give Spielberg Minority Report if, if you like that, you know, if you like that movie, you have to give that, but also partially to, to Tom Cruise. He fucking killed it. Tom Cruise kills it in pretty much <laughs> so, everything he does. So... People can talk shit about Tom Cruise all they want. The dude's a fucking amazing actor. And he, he is also an amazing person because uh, I was listening to an interview with like uh, Matt Damon where he's like, you know how Tom Cruise is when he talks to you, you know, he talks to you and like y- you fall in love when Tom Cruise talks to you because yeah. you like blink out the rest of the world. Right. This is, this is stuff that Matt Damon said in real life. Because I watched the interview. Yeah, no bullshit. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was like literally when Tom Cruise talks to you, he'll talk to you like he he acts like you're the only person that ever exists. Yeah. Like when Tom Cruise total like, total focused attention. Yeah. Yeah. Total focused attention. He's looking right at you. He acts like you're the only person that exists. And then not only that, you think he's the only person that 
has ever existed. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, like you black out the whole world when Tom Cruise talks to you. And then, you know, that's how he gets stuff done. Because, like, he was telling Matt Damon... Because Matt Damon was like... Matt Damon found out he was scared of heights later in his life. Right. After he did the Bourne movies. Uh, and he was like, how did you do the scene where you're, like, running down the building... In in uh, the the Burj Khalifa, in the Burj Khalifa or yeah. whatever, and he was like, he was like, well, what I did was I told the safety man, the 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 safety person on the set, what I wanted to do, and he said, um, you can't do that. And Matt Damon was like, okay, what'd you do then? He was like, I got a new safety man. And he, was <laughs> like, he was like, what? Yeah. Fucking Tom Cruise fired the guy that told him he couldn't run down a building. Right. Because it's it's the tallest building in the world now. They told him he couldn't do it, and he fucking fired him and hired another guy that told him he could do it. That told him he could do it, yeah. (laughs) But when you go back and you watch watch that Mission Impossible, he is literally (laughs) suction cup to the side of the Burj Khalifa for real. And you're like, Tom, do you have gigantic fucking balls? (laughs) Someone should have told you no, and they. Di- the thing is, they did, and he fired them. And he fired that and guy. And he got a guy that would say yes. Yeah, he hired a yes oh man. My God, that's crazy. That's <laughs> fucked up. So if you're gonna make a Mission Impossible and you're gonna be the safety guy, just just do what Tom wants to do. Just do what Tom wants to do because apparently that's job security. He either wants to die <laughs> or he knows he's so fucking good he won't. I don't think he will. I don't know. I, I don't shit. think he'll ever die. He just might be one of the luckiest humans. Ever. Ever. <laughs> like, he's just one of those guys where it's like, I don't like him because he's a Scientologist. It's like, at this point, fuck you. I don't I don't care. It's like, that's his religion. It's his business. Whatever. As long yeah, as you the, keep cranking out Mission Impossible movies that are awesome. The, the dude's so fucking amazing. Like, if you're just like... Well, then they brought the, Top Gun back. Yeah, and it's like, if that's the best thing you have, it's like... I don't. I hate him because he's a Scientologist. It's like, dude, come up with something better. Like, no one gives a shit. Yeah. All these. I mean, fun, if, unless you saw Tom like religion. slapping babies or something. Yeah. If he's like murdering babies or something, then yeah. But it, a Scientologist, that's not even anything weird anymore. That's just something that happens to actors now. Sometimes. <laughs> right? It's like. It's like, oh, fucking Jonah Hill's a Scientologist. It's like, that explains why he's skinny now. I mean, I guess. <laughs> At least I would understand him a little bit more. But like, I guess that's why he's skinny now. Because of his midi-chlorians or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> midi-chlorians. You're crossing universes, Steve. Midi-chlorians are from Star Wars. The midi-chlorians are gay. And all those people talk about, like, the midi-chlorians and shit. Like, the Force is supposed to be mystical. It's like, it, it, all it is is just a measurement system. It's Dragon Ball Z. Fake. Dragon Ball Z has a measurement system. It's all fake. I know. Cares. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's like the people that are like, how the fuck can Vegeta like scan a power level in Dragon Ball? And it's like, it's a fucking cartoon. It's an anime. It's all Shut the fuck fake. up. Just, just, all these people butthurt over midichlorians and I'm like, this shit isn't real. It's like, hey, midichlorians are stupid. It's like, it's all fucking fake, dude. It's like, wait, it's wait like for the real problems. Like, you got outed by the IRS. That's that's something you should be bit pissed it's like, about. It's like, literally, it's like, how do they have the force? It's like, they have Zappa Bappas. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? He doesn't, yeah. Oh, God. Who gives a shit? 
But anyway, I literally heard somebody was like, uh, they they complained online. They're like, um, they're like, I, I I don't care about the new Star Wars movies. J.J. Abrams uses too many lens flares anywhere. And it's like that was one fucking movie in and Star, that was Star Trek. Trek. <laughs> He's he never too many used them flares. since. Fuck you, people. <laughs> right. He didn't even do it in the fucking second one. I mean, he did it like very slightly and. And uh, into darkness, but it's like it was. Yeah, it's like who cares? What it are was you more just about? like a joke. It, but it's like that's not even in Star Wars. Like it's like that's Star Trek. And it was like, yeah, I couldn't even uh, pay attention because he used so many lens flares. And it's like he hasn't fucking used that shit at all in Star Wars. No. You you just being a dick at this point. Even if he even if he told. Even if he told Industrial Light and Magic, hey, I want to add a bunch of lens flares here in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, they're like, yeah, we're not doing that because it doesn't make sense with the way the Falcon's built yeah, in the windows. Yeah, this is windows. Star Wars. This, this is Star Wars, man. Like, the rules are different here. It's like, also, we have been doing special effects for Star Wars since 1977, so you can shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just statistically, how many dicks could you eat? <laughs> Many. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what we're just saying here. So yeah. I mean, <laughs> you want me to go ahead and get to the last comment? Yeah, let's get to it, and we'll, we'll get past this midichlorian nonsense. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, you know, it's funny. Just it, as a just as a, a pure side note, just for like twenty seconds, and then we'll actually get into the comments. I know you guys are like they go off track too much. Sorry, we we have podcasting ADD. We're sorry. Suck it, dude. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> but you know all that shit that Brian Posehn talked about, like the uh, the prequel trilogy, and he made I fun of it in the stand up. Brian Posehn got to be an alien character on the first episode of Mandalorian. He's an alien and a, and a speeder. Oh, does that what what did you call that? A sellout. A sellout. Oh. Remember, he talked so much shit about Star so, Wars. So and... Brian Hussein just wanted to be included. Yeah. So Aww. so John Favreau was so like, it... you know what, buddy? I'll I'll put you in a Star Wars. I'll put you in a Star Wars, buddy. Yeah, I'll put you in, buddy. Can just you take us out of your stand up. Is that what we're gonna have to do with old buddy Pat Oswalt too? Will you stop? If Pat Oswalt shows you... up as an alien in this series, Will I'm gonna you... be like, the conspiracy is on. Will you stop crying, Pat Oswalt? If we put you in a show. <laughs> If we make you an alien in we Star Wars... If we make you an alien in Star Wars, will you stop crying about prequels? <laughs> will you stop talking about midichlorians? Aw, <laughs> poor baby. Yeah. Uh, oh, I just thought you would like that because I, I, like, like I was like... I do like that. I'm like, that dude like... sounds familiar. And then I was like... And then somebody was like, oh yeah, Brian Posehn, he was like an alien. He was like an alien cameo in Mandalorian. I'm like, that motherfucker. That oh, and she talked about Star Wars, and then he was like, John Favreau, man, could you put me in Mandalorian? Well, and it's like, I thought these... you talked all that shit about the prequels. You see how all these comedians are a bunch of pussies. Just goes to prove our point. You can be a big boy on the internet and talk shit, but as soon as somebody's like, hey, I'll, I'll make you an alien and put you in, in one of our... Uh, one of our shoots, you can be a character. They're like, oh, yes, sir. Please put me in this. Please put me in this. Because Patton Oswalt was one of those guys that was talking about Marvel movies and, and stuff until he got cast in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah, it's uh, the, the, that's the word of the day. Hypocrite. hypocrite. <laughs> um, so, Patton Oswalt is a hypocrite. Like, literally, <laughs> if they're just like, 
hey, let's put you in some like prequel, prequel bullshit, but we'll pay you some money. Patton Oswald would fucking do it. He'll be like, I'll, I'll help the Kaminoans clone troopers. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll be I, one of those people. I fucking people. love the prequels. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Kamino people and their long ass necks and shit. That stuff is awesome. It's so, so awesome. It's, it's like, like I actually love shit. George Lucas now. As much shit as, to, as I've talked about him like, this whole time. And it's like, yeah, like you know, imagine how awkward that would have been to see Brian Posehn on the set of Mandalorian, and he just he goes up to George Lucas and he's like, "Oh, George, yes, I'm a big fan." It's like I've heard it's your like, stand up. It's like, uh, yeah, but I uh, I've heard some of your uh, stand up, and uh, you didn't really like Jar Jar. You didn't really like the prequels. It, uh, it kind of seems at this point that you're what would you call it, Favreau? Uh, he's a sellout bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're a sellout you're a bitch. You're a sellout bitch. But good, good that you're on the set for the money. Yeah, right. Um, good to see a, they did a good job with your costume. Yeah. Yeah, that looks great on you. Um, you sellout bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, back to Scarface. Um. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of justice for George Lucas before. We yeah, I just on. figured I had to throw that out there just to see your reaction. Um, uh, but um, it, so is, it feels as good as it should. Yeah, because I am pro George Lucas all the way. Fuck you if you hate the prequels. Listen to our episodes. Yep, because we did episodes on all the prequel movies. Yes. So uh, you can we did you know this the whole trilogy of them. Vindication! So yeah. <laughs> Kakarot! No. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, carry on. Uh, so it says, uh, <laughs> this one got me when I first read it because I was like, these motherfuckers, like, seriously. Pacino in this movie is a cartoon character. No depth, all noise, and goofy mannerisms. Mm. Uh, I guess that's the, that's why, uh, that's what many people like about this movie, uh, that it's so goofy, it's funny. Sort of, uh, so bad, it's good, Ed Wood style. The writing is appalling. This is one of those movies where the script writes itself. You are dragged from one trite piece of dialogue to the next, each pushing the plot like a sack of bricks. It gives the viewer the illusion that the drugs trade is run by a bunch of monkeys who live in big palaces with garish decor and have piles of coke on their desks. And they shout their mouths off and take a hundred bullets without dropping dead. Pacino magically becomes a top master criminal because, well, no one knows why. Nothing is explained. Nothing makes sense. But then the modern gangster films are all that way. We don't understand the characters, partly because we have no idea what's going on. Just a bunch of lines, mean looks, blood and gore, and we actually sleep through. The relationship between Pacino and Pfeiffer is so obvious from the get-go, and there is not one shred of possibility that these two characters could ever care for each other. Pacino's character comes from a multitude of beautiful Latino women, and we are to believe he lusts after some middle-aged-looking, raggedy-looking, rather pitiful-looking, pale, lifeless, ordinary blonde like Elvira. What? Clearly, a woman wrote this part for this, uh, this part of the script. No man could ever buy into this. Is this a drug movie? Well, no issues of obsession or addiction are even mentioned. The behavior of the actors after a line of coke is nothing different than if they just had a drink of water. This movie was written by Oliver Stone. Right? <laughs> the, the thing it's about... goddamn Michelle Pfeiffer. The thing about Elvira that's like, 
Well, Tony grew up around Latino women, so he obviously, you know, should go find himself some, you know, some like really, you know, cute like Cuban hottie or so find he some should go find himself Miami hottie. Latino women instead of Michelle Pfeiffer. And it's like, but that's the thing. That's the thing that gets me. It's like. There's a there is some like really deep seated racism there. There is a racism out the. There is a racism there. Whoever wrote this, I think probably is Latino, and was like, oh, so he fucking wants to bang the the white lady that's like pale and she's you know she has no body or nothing, and it's like you're literally talking about Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, one so of the most beautiful check women yourself on the planet. Yeah, it's still, like, and it's like still. Michelle Pfeiffer in 1983, for those of you, you know, who have watched this movie and you see Elvira come and, and go into the elevator, Tony's eyes are exactly what, like, every every man does when they watch this movie. They're like, oh, fuck, look at that. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, um, um, if, you, if you're talking about comparisons, uh, Sharon Stone, garbage. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, fucking um, Kim Basinger. Kim Basinger, garbage. Uh, uh, you're you're talking about one of the hottest women in the world. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. And the the thing that gets me too is that like saying that like it had to have been a woman that wrote that because only a woman would would write a sequence where Tony instead of going for a nice Latina woman. He goes for the white woman. Oliver and it's Stone like, wrote this movie. It's like Oliver Stone wrote this movie. And it's like, it's not like... Oliver Stone, for one, is not racist. He's never done like anything racist in his movies at all. He's not I a mean, racist person. He no. was a soldier in wars. And a lot of times he writes about wars. And he's very cultured a lot of times when he does it. Yeah. So, he... he Oliver Stone isn't a racist. Coke addict, Yes. <laughs> Oliver Stone was a at one point addict. of his life, yes. In one point of his life, I'm, I'm not saying he was just a fucking, you know. He wasn't a saint, but, in, you know, he was kind of one of the inspirations of the you know director from True Romance. Um, you know, the director in True Romance was kind of based off Oliver Stone because Tarantino met him. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So he was kind of one of those people that that was like an eccentric coke, coke addict. Yeah, that was all over Stone. Yeah. But um Elvira is one of the most beautiful women like you could ever like meet in that that generation. Like Yeah. It's Michelle Pfeiffer. But that's the thing that always gets me is that like when everybody, when people are talking about like women in movies like this, like we we, I feel like we just had this discussion with Sigourney Weaver and the Ghostbusters stuff, right? We did we did Ghostbusters for yeah, they were for, saying she wasn't sexy. That she she had like the body that. of a boy or like body of a man. And yeah, they're like she's Sigourney too tall. Weaver is ugly or something like that. Yeah, she's like, too tall. And she has like a thin face and and it's like what we were like okay, her cheeks yeah. are like her cheekbones are too too. Pointy you or something. About Weaver, and we, we, whenever we were doing that, we we're just kind of like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like you guys couldn't see it on that particular episode, but Steve's face contorted in a way where he's trying to he's trying to figure out how the fuck somebody is talking shit about Sigourney Weaver, 
And it's like... I'm like, it, how are you thinking that way? Yeah, and that's the thing that happens with a lot of these jackasses is that they're like, they always want to critique like, you know, like this person's kind of like, well, Elvira's just some boring, you know, white blonde girl who would give a fuck about this girl well, when, when you have all these Latina women around Miami that you can get with? You know, it's like, well, for one thing, this was the 1980s. What Latina women? I mean, there are Latina. I mean, because Gina lives in Miami, right? Tony's sister. And yeah. Gina's I mean, he's pretty... not going to fuck his sister. No, I mean, and even though she goes crazy later and she thinks that's what Tony wants, it's like, that's not what Tony wants. He just doesn't want her to grow up where she has to live in the life like he does. You know, and that's she, what Manny tries to bring her into. Yeah, that's what Manny that's tries why to. He kills Manny. Right. He was like, "This is the thing I told you when you first met my sister. I didn't want." Yeah, I don't want this and for her. You fucking did it anyway. That's why he helped her get her uh her fucking salon going. Yeah. Because when they're doing that montage like, I want you scene, to do this. I want I you to. Want, I don't yeah. want you to do this like I'm doing. This is the whole thing I'm doing is to keep you from doing this. Yeah, it's like. like I married her, and he's like, "Yeah, fuck you, you're dead." Yeah, uh, it's like, but but that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you you look at somebody like Gina, for example, it's like Tony. Tony wanted the American dream. He wanted the American he wanted dream. The, the blonde hair, blue eyed chick that could give him the American dream. You know, and stuff like that. That's, that's if he wanted a nice Cuban girl, he would have stayed in fucking Cuba and with Fidel Castro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he didn't he, want that life. He wanted to go to America you know, and he wanted octopus, to... Octopus, every fucking damn Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what he said. I mean, you, you had to eat a bunch of shit every day. You had to do what you're told every day. Yeah. You know, that's that's what he was trying to avoid. Yeah. And so when he gets... When he finally gets a little measure of power and he starts getting a little bit of money, he gets a better car, he finds himself this nice white girl because that's what... That in Tony's mind, that's what his that's idea the of the American dream. dream. He wants the blonde hair, blue eyed chick that's, you know, gonna be the American girl. And Manny goes for the same types of chicks because when they're just walking around talking and just like talking about shit, you know, Manny does that thing where he you know, he does like the tongue like the like the, the, the pussy licking tongue flick thing. And he was like, uh, he was like, oh, you think you can get, you can, you can do that to her, you know? And then he goes over and he tries to pick up that, that white girl and she's like, you know, like slaps him upside the head or whatever. And he was like, you, you lucky I'm nice. He was like, you're not going to do shit there, man. You know, was like, come on, Manny, let's get the fuck out of here. You yeah. know, like, it, but that's the thing. Even Manny, like the thing that is distracting him at the convertible when, you know, fucking angels getting chopped up by the chainsaw in the hotel, right? It's because pussy. He's looking, he's, he's trying to pick up this white girl, right? Even Manny's doing it. And the thing that fucked Manny up was that instead of going for like the, the kind of dream that Tony wanted, he wanted Tony's sister. And that fucked up everything for him. That was the end of Manny. As soon as he wanted to go after Gina, you know, and because at first he resisted. Because he was like, no, he's like, you're Tony's sister, I'm not gonna. And she was like, you know, because he's like, he's like, I want you to get away from these guys, you know. And she was like, well, you know, I can't find anybody nice. Why don't I go out with you? And he was like, no, fuck that. He's like, no, I'm not dealing with Tony. And No, no, that's not happening. And then eventually along the line, he just kind of loses the plot. He took her home and then he... He took her home and then that was the... That was pretty much Manny's downfall. But the thing about... Everyone had a downfall. That's the thing about it. Yeah. Everybody kind of gets fucked up in this movie. Like, in some way. I mean... uh, Except the, you know, white drug dealer. 
he comes out pretty good. Right, yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> Sosa kind of gets fucked up on this, though, because that dude does that speech and they start cracking down on all that shit like in Colombia and Bolivia and everything. True that. True that. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it's just... Like, when I see this, and then, like, they're talking about, like, uh, you know, like, he, he, like, the idea that um, the drug trade is run by a bunch of monkeys who live in big palaces, you know, with garish decor and have piles of coke on their desk. And I'm like, okay, these are people that have, like, millions of dollars. Like, literally, you know, Tony's talking about, like, he can pull in, like, what was it, like, $75 million a month? You know, by doing uh, his deals with Sosa and then other money that he's got invested in other places, because he fucking buys uh, Pan Am Airlines, right? Doesn't isn't connected to Bluetooth? Isn't that one of the things that he buys is Pan Am Airlines? Which is funny because Howard Hughes owned that. Yeah, um, and yeah, maybe that's like an homage to Howard Hughes because that was his airline. But you know, if I'm not mistaken, Tony buys Pan Am. Um, and he also takes the statue that says the world is yours. He takes that and then puts it in his house. Yes. You know, and that was intentional. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I knew that that was like, there was some sort of a Easter egg. Like if they did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, of Howard Hughes, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's like the whole thing is, is like, if you have a guy who, you know, served, like, jail time in Cuba and was a part of the army and served under Fidel Castro. And he grew up in a, in a communist hellhole like Cuba was in those days. Uh, if you if you give somebody like that, you say to Tony, hey, you can make something like $70 million a month. You don't think he's going to have a fucking giant palace with, like, you know, his shit monogrammed with TM on it like he has on his chair and, you know, like, gold on all of his furniture, this big-ass bathtub, and this huge bathroom well, area. Well, Saddam Hussein actually, himself actually ripped off Tony Montana. Right, because didn't Saddam's palace look like Montana's house? It kind of did, but also the thing Somewhat. that ripped him off was uh, his cover estate. He actually had a, Mon- a Tony Montana real estate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saddam Hussein did. That's crazy. So he actually ripped off this movie. Yeah. And it's like, but that's the thing. It's it's like, you know, it, it's when you see the, like when you see Frank's house and you see Tony's house later, whenever Tony gets his mansion built and everything and he's got all this fucking money, it's like, that's how these guys live. I mean, they literally, Frank talks about like, you know, we need to get you a new suit, Tony. If you're going to be working for me, I want you to look sharp when you go to do business dealings and, and work for me and stuff. Right. And he's talking about like, you know, uh, I'll get you like a $500 suit. Like when you have that kind of money, you like to, to flash it out, right? Why do you think rappers are so fascinated with making money? Like there's there's literally a song that Little Boosie has called Crayola. And he's talking about like he owns so many different exotic cars. It looks like a, like a fucking crayon box because he right. can go to his garage and be like, "Do I want the yellow Lamborghini? Do I want the red Ferrari? Do I want the orange McLaren? They're all different colors of the rainbow, and they're all like expensive as fuck cars." Right. You know, rappers didn't get that shit from just anywhere. They got it from watching shit like Scarface. 
you know? And it's exactly. like, you want to talk about, like, garish decor and all that kind of shit. It's like, these houses look baller as fuck. Are you telling me right now you wouldn't want to live in Tony Montana's house? Like, you know, minus all the bullet wounds and all that kind of shit. Like, Tony's house before he got raided. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get shot out the yeah. No, you wouldn't want to do, like, a fucking mountain of coke and then get shot by, you know, fucking, you know, like, Colombians. But, but that aside, Tony's house is fucking awesome. I think anybody would want to live in that house. Frank's house is fucking awesome. Let's be honest. You know, I mean, he has like a fucking... He has a... Every dog has his day. He has a glass fucking tube elevator in his house. That's some baller-ass shit. You know, like, if, if you're sitting here telling me that you wouldn't want to live in a house like that, you're living in a fucking fairy tale. Right. Because that's not... Anybody would want to live in those houses. And it, it this movie takes place in the 80s. So the furniture is probably going to look a little crazy now. You know, if you're looking at this movie with like 2019 eyes, you're going to look back at that furniture and be like, their furniture looked fucking retarded. That was the shit back in the 80s. It looked great though, for real. Yeah, but I mean, most of that furniture did look good. The only one that maybe looked a little weird was that glass bubble chair thing in Frank's house. They probably could have thrown that shit out because it looked like a fucking alien pod from like a sci-fi movie. They probably could have thrown that shit out and it would have looked okay. But like the couches and all that shit look really good in that movie. You know, but I mean, you have to understand the time that's made. That shit looked awesome back in the eighties. We probably yeah, wouldn't have the eighties. It looked great. We probably wouldn't have that shit in our house now, but at the time, it looked awesome. You know, it did. It did look very awesome. Yeah, and just for all the people who want to talk about like you know the language and like why does Tony have to say the F word? Even though Vira even mentions it, she was like, everything you say is fuck, fuck, fuck. Like the, the word fuck comes out of his mouth so much. Right. And it's like for all the people who want to complain about like the language in this movie, how many drug dealers or people who deal with like, they run guns or they do like gang activity, drug, you know, any kind of criminal stuff are, uh, completely, uh, erudite in the way that they talk you know have you ever found have you ever met like a drug dealer that could like recite shakespeare no because they're fucking criminals <laughs> you know a lot of these people didn't have education yeah, i mean a lot of these guys don't actually know shakespeare so i agree with you on that right yeah exactly but it's like do you think tony's gonna be like completely he's gonna be able to he's just gonna talk and and it's like criminals and a lot of us. Have you ever watched uh, a fucking movie with criminals in it and it didn't have some kind of cussing in it? Could you imagine something like The Sopranos where, where you know, he never cussed or anything? Could you imagine that? Like, no cussing in, in that? You know, no. Is that what Breaking Bad was? <laughs> they cussed in Breaking Bad? I don't know. I don't watch that shit. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, there's I'd... a lot of meth in that, so I didn't watch it. Yeah. Um, I. The little bits that I've seen of, of Breaking Bad, I mean, I don't remember. Like, Breaking no, Breaking Bad was AMC. AMC. Yeah. Did they not cuss on AMC? Probably not. I don't think they. Yeah, because uh, they don't really cuss on Walking Dead. So. No, it's. I mean, so if they like, can, it's like sporadically they can maybe drop like the word shit or something, but F so word yeah, probably I not. I guess that's why I never really watched it. Because you're like, I wanted to be authentic. I want to see grown ass people cussing. Yeah. And being doing grown people shit. Yeah, I, w- I guess I, w- I would want to see it on HBO. I guess. Right, and see that's the thing. Like any time that they've tried to edit Scarface, 
and uh, being like, you fudging with me, you fudging with it best. And it's like, no, that just sounds that's, retarded. That's gay? <laughs> Have That's you ever seen a television cut of Scarface where they've had to edit like 90% of the movie's dialogue because it's of like the word fuck? like whenever Walmart was trying to sell Eminem CDs. <laughs> right? And it was edited. And like every I, five seconds it's... Because I am... <laughs> am. Yeah. And it's like... What you bought was like... You bought basically bought a record Aaron. of silence. Yeah, the sound of silence that was remade by uh, Five Finger Death Punch. Um, Those were Eminem CDs of yeah. Walmart in the two thousands. It was just like this is the sound of silence, and it's like, oh, I bought uh, Marshall Mathers. <coughs> yeah, that's like, and but did you I, really buy the CD? It's like, no. I what put up? the CD in, and I heard like him say like eight words. <laughs> <laughs> These are facts. These are facts right now. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, so, I, I mean, this is, uh, this has been Beyond the Hate. This, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. If, if you have problems with this movie, you can, you can, you can sit on a spiky dildo and spin. Yeah, because if you have any real complaints, you can email us at beyondthehateatyahoo.com. Yes. Um, if you guys actually have anything real to say, then you can email us there, but I doubt you do because this movie is fucking awesome yeah it's a it's a mass it's a masterpiece uh yeah but this has been beyond the hate hope you guys enjoyed if you didn't then you're listening to the wrong show right uh. but check us out on uh on spotify on anchor on apple podcast google podcast stitcher we're everywhere um and also uh thanks to umb cannon because uh, i try to shout him out now every episode for uh, subscribing to us and donating to the show each month. Uh, props to you. Hopefully you like this episode. And also, uh, if you have any more suggestions, if anybody wants to just suggest anything for us, hey, I want you guys to cover you know, this movie or cover this or whatever, donate and you get the opportunity to pick what we talk about. And also, whenever you're, you're emailing us at uh, beyondthehateatyahoo.com, I think it'd be fun if you guys could guess who you're actually talking to when you email us. Because you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> it could be me. It could be Steve. Yeah, you, you don't, don't know. fucking know. I would like to. I would like to see you guys guess because <laughs> I think you guys would be surprised. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been beyond the hate. Scarface edition. Yes.